You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you're smiling. Hey you, bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly, crack a smile. Ah, Portugal. There's so much to do, but so little I feel like I have to do when we are here. Talk about a foreign feeling. When we are back from vacation, let's make sure we are still on track with our investment plans. You know, just in case we want to retire here. With Vanguard advice, no matter what your retirement goals are, we can help you get there. That's the value of ownership. Visit Vanguard.com and explore Vanguard advice. All investing is subject to risk. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Services are provided by Vanguard Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Relay Show here on the internet. This is your host, as always, John DeGorio. I'm going to be talking about scary stories to tell in the dark. This is going to be a spoiler-free review, so you don't have to worry about any spoilers in this uh, in this review at all. So stick, stick around for that. I'm actually going to be talking about a little bit of Deadpool as well, about what Disney and Fox should be doing with Deadpool and how if it's going to be rated R, is it not going to be rated R? So we're going to go on ahead and talk about that too. And I'm also going to be talking about CGI and also animation. This is going to be where, which one do I like better? Not only that, but how CGI and regular animations changed over the over the years and everything opposed to pen and pencil and colors and th- through that animation style to CGI animation, which is like your sto- Toy Story movies, A Bug's Life and stuff like that about how those movie pa- movies paved the way into what it is today. So, with further ado, let's go on ahead and get into this spoiler-free review for Scary Movies to Tell in the Dark. Now, I remember when I was in the fourth grade. I loved Goosebumps. I was invested into the Goosebumps series. I really loved Goosebumps. Goosebumps, to me, was actually the Stephen King... R.L. Stein was the Stephen King of my younger generation. And what I liked about Goosebumps was it was relatable. It was something that could actually scare you and stuff like that. Now, when I, and then I ended up discovering also when I was in fourth grade was Fear Street. I was actually reading a fifth grade level during that time. And I actually loved the Fear Street novels. Then as I got a little bit a year later, I winded up in fifth grade. And I actually looked at something that I never saw before. It had this classic white covering to it. And it was called... Scary stories to tell in the dark. Now, never did I think that this would actually be made into a movie and to actually see that this is actually turned into a movie. And I was interested from the get-go. I didn't care if it was a PG-13 movie or anything like that. I've always said this. If you're going to make the make any type of movie or whatever, it doesn't necessarily have to be rated R. And here's, the, here's why. Just because the movie is rated R, it does not make the movie good. 
It doesn't do anything to amplify it or anything like that. I've seen horrible red R movies. I've seen good horror PG-13 movies. It's just according to how you build on it and how you invest in those characters and about the dialogue and how it flows. As well as the special effects as well. So, PG-13 rating doesn't really do much for me or anything like that or rated R. To me, you can still tell your story the way you want to. The ratings don't really mean anything to me. With that being said, the plot centers around this uh, this town called... Oh, small town called Mill Valley. And for generations, it's in, the, it's in the mansion that a young Sarah Bellows turns her torment, tortured life and horrible secrets into a series of scary stories. They become real for a group of unsuspecting teens who stumble upon Sarah's spooky home. Now, number one, I love movies whenever it centers around a haunted house. I love when teens go into the house and some stuff actually happens to where they actually have to break this, break a certain spell or they have to go in and try and take down this monster and stuff like that. I love stuff like that. That's why I like Hocus Pocus so much is because of that, those reasons too. And what I have to say is this. Scary stories to tell in the dark and everything, there's that nostalgia feel to it. It takes place in the 1960s, but not only that, but what I like about it too is there's a nostalgia factor too where when you read the books, they actually, I was wondering too, what stories are they actually going to put in this movie and how are they going to do it? How well is it going to be perceived and if it was going to be perceived in the way that it needs to be perceived in? And what I have to say is this, they did a really good job with setting up these elements of different stories and it didn't feel forced the actors and actresses in this movie the young kids were the best thing in the whole entire movie itself that's what I have to say this movie's a lot of fun and the dialogue and everything else is perfectly well executed I like what they did with it um the red dots story and everything in this whole entire thing it made my skin crawl because I actually could relate to what that girl was going through at that time with that red dot. Minus what happens whenever something comes out of her cheek. But still, they captured the horror moment of that. They actually captured the tension for that. The other thing too is the scarecrow and everything. That part in the cornfield and everything was actually pretty cool. And stuff like that. And yes, it's even though for a PG-13 movie, you can actually get the feel for it. Like for instance, whenever a pitchfork goes through somebody's chest... It does show a pitchfork going through somebody's chest. It just doesn't show the blood splatter. And I'm okay with that because there is that gore, little bit of a gore element without the blood. But still, it's there. It's there for a purpose and actually serves the purpose. And for them to make it a PG-13 movie, I can understand why. Because you would want to have the audience, young adult audience, in there to be packed inside the seats. So that way, someone like my age, which I'm 34 could actually have a kid, which I don't, go into the movie theater and enjoy this with their families, enjoy them with their fathers and everything who read these books, and even their mothers who read the read these books. And that's what I like about it is the nostalgia factor. It's a little bit of a Stranger Things feel to it to me. Yeah, it doesn't take place in the 80s, but there's a 1960s style to this thing that's actually a Stranger Things kind of flavor to it. And these kids are going off on their own adventures to try and take down this Sarah Bellows person trying to write these stories. 
And I'm wondering too, how are they going to do this? How are they going to survive this? How are they going to end up taking this whole entire thing down? And then another spooky thing is the scary Pillsbury Doughboy things that happened inside the mental institution. Oh my God, that made my skin crawl as well. But overall and everything too is this. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is a very good movie. It's a lot of fun. But, like I, said, like I mentioned before, the dialogue was good. The acting was good. I just felt kind of underwhelmed with some of the effects that they put into it. Now, I know I said before, special effects don't really have anything to do with the radar thing or anything like that. And, to be honest with you, it doesn't. It's just that I expected a little bit more from the CGI, from the special effects itself. Because of the fact that I've seen good CGI and PG-13 movies. I was hoping that it would actually amplify it even more in a movie like this. But overall, I'm going to have to give this at least a 3.5 out of 5. I have fun with it. I like the actors and actresses in this movie. I like the kids. I like the setup for it. It has a slow build to it. And then once it has that slow build, it just keeps on going and going. It doesn't slow down once the tension is released. I like that aspect to it. And, of course, it has that Stranger Things flavor to it, too. So, I actually enjoyed Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Will I go and see a second one? Yeah, I definitely will. I definitely will take a look at the, another one if, one if they make it. Just depending on the box office numbers and if they're actually going to take a chance adding the studios to actually make another movie for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Because I want to see more from these characters. I want to actually see how they actually ad- how they change, how they grow. That's what I want to see. I want to see how these characters grow as they make the second movie. Because it's going to be centered around the same people. So I want to actually see that. At first, I wasn't sure if it was going to be where it was like one of these other movies where it was pretty much where it takes place with somebody else doing it. So I'm glad that they're not going to go that route with it. So I'm actually excited about that. So I'm, I'm excited for that. So... So, that's my review for Scary Movies to Tell in the Dark. I hope you guys enjoy that part, but now I'm going to move on to Deadpool. Deadpool, ever since Fox, um, Disney bought out Fox, everyone's like, yay, Disney bought out Fox, this is great. Under one umbrella, we get all the X-Men back, we get Deadpool in the MCU finally, we have all our characters under one umbrella, all except Spider-Man, that is, because he's only in there playing in the MCU's um, sandbox right now because Sony couldn't figure out what to do with Spider-Man, so they gave them, them they gave Disney a little bit of a play field advantage to play in their sandbox so that way they can make a great Spider-Man movie to introduce them into the MCU for Civil War. So that's how that was done. But Deadpool is like this brother that they don't know what they like. They don't know what to do with it. It's like, well, should we go in ahead and make him rated R? Should we not make him rated R? Should he be PG-13? They don't know what to do with him. He's like your stepbrother or adopted brother where they don't know what to do with him. It's like, do you want him? No, we don't want him. Do you want to go in ahead and make him a PG-13? I don't think so. I think he should be rated R. To me, I would have much preferred Comcast to go on ahead and buy Fox versus Disney buying out Fox. Because here's the thing. With Comcast, they would have kept everything the same. You would actually had things to where you wouldn't have a lot of these movies off the shopping block. You would actually have these movies, some movies that were still in development, maybe still happening. 
and there might be some that were still that we might get chopped off, but at least they wouldn't try and make changes to where drastic changes to what Fox was trying to do. You would actually have some of the movies that Fox was going to actually put out. You would actually have the tones that Fox would have had and everything, in my honest opinion. But another thing, too, is with Aliens, with with all those movies that Fox, now, now Disney now owns, they're going to they're gonna change a lot going into the future with this thing. And yes, I'm, I'm well aware that, you know, Avatar is also in that whole entire thing, and they are going to make animated movies with Avatar and stuff like that, but Deadpool should not be PG-13. Now, there is a way that you can actually make it a PG-13 movie and still have the violence, still have everything, but it's not going to have blood splatter. It's not going to have swearing. What would be funny, though, is to have Deadpool swear and he's bleeping out the words and the more that he hears himself bleeping out the words he's getting more frustrated and therefore more bleeping is going to be coming take place that would be funny but Deadpool is the merc with the mouth he does not know when to shut up he does not follow the rules he does not follow any type of formula he's Deadpool he does not care he will kill you no matter what and for them to go on ahead and water him down to just a comical character without anything else and everything. I just don't like the feel to it. I don't like the feel that Deadpool might not even make it into a, P- a rated R movie anymore. He's going to be PG-13 and watered down to the point to where he's not going to be able to do any of the stuff that he was doing in the first two films. And that makes me sad because I love seeing him swear. I love seeing him do what he always does and make those jokes that he always makes. Now it's not going to even have those jokes if they make it a PG-13 movie. And I really hope that they go on ahead and stick with the fact that they want to make this thing a rated R movie because it fits, it benefits the character and everything. Now it would be different if they were making a rated R movie just for the sake of making a rated R movie because it was fun and it doesn't do anything with the character at all. Like for instance, Logan, that would need to be rated R. Because of who that character is. And that's exactly what they're doing with Deadpool is. he He's a merc with a mouth. He, his character is what makes it rated R. It's not just there just for the simple fact that it's a rated R movie. It's there to serve a purpose. And with that purpose now gone. If it's, if it's gone. That's it. It's going to be watered down. It's going to be useless. It's not going to be the same Deadpool that we know and love. It's just going to be a reincarnation version of something that Disney has done repeatedly over and over again with some of the MCU characters that we've seen or whatever. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love the MCU. I love what they do. But I want some edge. I want some raw edge to some characters. And Deadpool was that weight to give them a raw edge to some characters. And, you know, you can separate the universes and everything, too, to where you can actually still have Deadpool. Another thing, too, you know, you can make the X-Men, if you wanted to, into a Red R movie and still keep Deadpool in there as a little bit of a flavor to it. And you can even have him do on Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe if you wanted to. And you know what? And everything, they were actually going to make a Deadpool versus... Um, kills the Marvel Universe, and, you know, that got canceled, that got shut down, but 
it's going to be interesting to see what and how Disney handles Deadpool. But for right now, they're like the, he's like the brothers. Like, no, I don't want him. Do you want him? No. Does, do you want him to be rated R? Do you want him to be PG-13? I don't know. They, they don't know what they want to do with their own character. And that makes me sad. Because Disney was always... Disney and Marvel were always good about doing this. They always believed in their characters. They always have confidence in their characters. With this, it shows that they have lack of confidence on what they want to do with this character. And that makes me sad. That really does make me sad on what they want to do. So, I'm going to move on to this other topic with the CGI. And also, to with how CGI animation changed and paved the way that made everything obsolete as far as pen and pencil goes to coloring and stuff like that when it comes to animation. And if we're ever going to go, if we're ever going to see regular animation where it's just drawn with pens and pencils and colors uh, versus CGI like we have with Toy Story. So I'm going to get into that now. So there's been loads of movies that in the past, since the 80s and everything else too, you have Five Goes West, you have American Teal, you have all these animated movies that were drawn, hand-drawn, and it was really good with hand drawings and everything else. And that was actually the way of the past. That was actually the way that you actually told the story. Secret of Nim, you also had a bunch of other animated movies too that is too big to name right now because of my past history with other animated movies. Tom and Jerry, there's, like I said, there's loads of movies in my past that I've seen that's animated and everything. There's Cool World that was mixed in with a little bit of a little bit of regular animation mixed in with live action. There was Space Jam that was CGI mixed in with live action stuff with Michael Jordan. There was also other stuff that was actually good. And even Pagemaster for that. Another example with Macaulay Culkin. That was actually live action mixed in with regular animation as well. And, you know, and Lion King is also one another one of those things too where you had all these colors, all these imaginative things going on and it was not computer generated. It was actually all pretty much, it was all drawn by hand. And they actually had to go frame by frame on a wall to figure out how they're going to actually make this movie. And now... In 1997 was the dawn of Pixar. And that was the dawn of Toy Story. And I was amazed when I first saw Toy Story. I was blown away with the CGI. I was blown away with the animation. This was ahead of its time. No other studio was even making this kind of thing. They were still doing hand-drawn stuff. They were still doing other things. And here comes Pixar. And Pixar wasn't this big old huge movie studio that we know today. They were just a little small studio. That was it. And during the time, it was just Toy Story. That was the main thing, was Toy Story. That was their very first animated movie. And they made boo money off of it. Between advertising, between toys and Burger King and other stuff. But... The animation was a, was ahead of its time. Then you also had the CGI aspect, like I said, that was ahead of its time too. What I loved about Toy Story was how real this thing is, where kids are playing with toys, and whenever 
the person walks away, the toys come to life and they have their own personalities. They have their own things on what they're doing and everything. I love that aspect. I love the CGI in that. And then there's the um, other, there's also this other thing too with the Bugs Life. That was actually their second movie. And of course that was another big hit. And then after that, it just kept going and going and going. And before you know it, you have DreamWorks Animation now that does CGI work now. You actually have that going on. You have a lot of these other movie studios now that's actually now doing nothing but CGI animation. And the real question is this. Is CGI animation going to keep going the way it is? Or is it going to go back to pen and pencil? And the thing is, the more digitalized that we actually get, the further and further away we are actually going to get away from doing pen and pencil animation to where people are not going to draw, actual draw on sheets of paper, sketch paper anymore. Those things are now called tablets. Tablets are now sketch sheets, which also means that sketch sheets, actual physical sketch sheets are obsolete. And this is going to be the new future for what it is. Even, for example, I'm going to use this as an example. Ink Master. They don't use... The the newer generation don't use pen and paper. They use stuff on pads, on iPads, tablets. They don't have the physical texture to actually draw something. And that makes me sad that the physical aspect of something, of art, is being digitalized. And, you know, I get the fact that you can actually make great art with and with CGI animation and digitalized animation, but there's just something there about the physicalness of drawing something that's art on a piece of paper and everything. To me, there's nothing better than having that physical feel to it. That's why I also like physical media, physical Blu-rays versus digital. I love I like digital music, but don't get me wrong, and I like reading comics through, di- uh, but here's the thing. I like the physical touch of something. And I have to say, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be surprised that, you know, that the more it's digitalized, the more that people are using tablets and everything, that's good. That's, that's it. The physical aspect of animation is over with. This is, this is what we're looking at. We're looking at the future. The future is CGI animation and the studios know what they're doing. They know that they can make money. They can make bank. They can bring the people can bring their kids to see this see CGI style animation and make money. And they can sit tell let the parents enjoy the movie with the jokes that they actually have in the movie. And the kids will enjoy it. So they're gonna just keep on doing this thing until something new comes around, which I don't see anything new for right now that's actually gonna be coming around when it comes down to animation because I think what we see is what we get for right now but God knows what we're going to get from 10 to 15 years from now but from right now and everything I have to say CGI animation any type of animation of that nature digitalized animation is going to be the home is that's it it's going to be the home for animation for years to come up until something new comes and that's just the way it is even though I don't like it but Hey, screw what I like anyways. It doesn't matter what I think anyways. It's what the studios think and everything. I have no say in it. We just have to keep on doing what we're doing. And, you know, 
That's just the way life is. But anyways, uh, that's going to be it for tonight's segment for the show. Tomorrow, I'm going to be doing a Glow Season 3 review. Yeah, that's right. Glow got re- Season 3 got released. So I'm going to be doing that. I was going to go see The Kitchen, but I'm going to be honest. After I saw that there wasn't that many showtimes for it, and there was more showtimes for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark... It kind of, you know, maybe kind of lose a little bit of interest in it, but I still want to see it. So I might actually try and go out and see it if it's still available for me to go see next week. So I might actually do a review for that. So stay tuned for that. I'm actually going to have a little bit more topics to talk about tomorrow as well. So stick around. Let me know what you guys think of this episode. By the way, we actually, I actually have something new that's going on on, on Anchor. And that is the fact that you guys can now send in voicemail messages and everything. And I can actually listen to y'all. And I can listen to y'all's messages. So I would like to actually see you guys actually use that thing. So that way I can actually see what you guys think of my show. And also too, what do you guys recommend for some topics that you guys want me to talk about? Because I'd like to actually know what you guys think, what you guys feel about some of the topics I talk about. I would like to actually know what you guys think about some of the reviews I do. So anyways, go on ahead, drop a voicemail message inside the thing and let me know what you guys think. I'm also going to be pointing uh, the link to the Facebook page so that way you guys can follow the movie news that I post on there. And I even post some funny memes as well. So come on, check it out. Let me know what you guys think. Until next time. Bye-bye.